Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, hear our, our cry for mercy. Lord, we gather before you today and we say thank you. Thank you for the United States of America. Thank you for a place that has mostly afforded the opportunity for peace, for prosperity, to pursue life and well-being. Thank you for a place where we can freely gather to worship, where we can assemble and say the name Jesus. Lord, thank you for our great land. We, we lift up to you our, our leaders, our, our president, our governor, our Congress, our, our courts, our assembly. Lord, I pray that you would bless them with a heart and a mind for you. I pray that you would bless them with an understanding and a knowledge of your word, your principles by which they lead. Lord, I pray that, and it, it, it often doesn't seem like that's the case. We're asking that you would move and bless and work in those individual lives, those bodies of people, that they would want to lead by your goodness and by your word and by your truth. Father, we lift up to you the issues going on in our country. So many, our relationship with a war between Ukraine and Russia, our economy, immigration, health care. Lord, we have another presidential race in front of us and those have just seemingly become so divisive in our land God we ask for your wisdom your your guidance your help in all of these things Lord we bow before you in this moment we ask forgiveness for a land that is covered in immorality we applaud we approve for a land that is polluted with murder We're an arrogant people, a prideful people. Lord, we are a very idolatrous people. God, forgive our sins. God, could we see something in our day that we've never seen? A mass turning to you. A nation that would say, Jesus is Lord. Father, even as I pray that, it does not seem possible at all that we could ever see that but it has happened and we pray that you would visit our land in that way Lord I pray you hear our voices this morning and I pray our voices are joining millions of other voices across this country who are looking to heaven who are acknowledging you who are giving thanks who are confessing sins who are depending upon you for our nation hear our prayers we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ amen Amen. And we all said, amen. Man, thank you guys so much for being here today on this uh, July 4th weekend. We are, we're thinking about maybe some different things we could do with this service, maybe even make it bigger. Uh, we were talking about some of the big things we could do this morning, and then we realized coming off a week of wind shape that a good bit of our staff would be exhausted. And so, But we'll see how that lines up in the future and Maybe we can use this day to do some special things, but very grateful for the Lord for a little bit of a cool breeze. Can I get an amen? A little, a little bit there. It is, uh, it is wet. It is humid. And, uh, but the good news is I've got about 50-minute sermons, so we shouldn't be here a whole lot 
a whole lot longer. You're laughing. We'll see. So, uh, hey, we're doing some different things today, but what's not different is our series in Genesis, Genesis 5. If you want to get turned there in your Bible or, or Bible app, Genesis 5. Hey, while you're turning there, quick uh, add about next week. So the next three Sundays, we're going to be in Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. That's the flood. And uh, it's, there's a lot going on in these, and boy, next week, uh, just the first few verses that we're going to look at are, are pretty powerful. So that's what's coming. Uh, July is mostly going to be the flood. Isn't that nice how we're looking at a flood when we're all probably going to be in a drought and, and uh, burning up? So uh, well, that's where we're going. But today, Genesis 5, and as we prepare to read this, I want you to think about walking with God. What, what does it mean to walk with God? Like if I said, hey, look at that, that, that person over there. Do you know them? They, they walk with God. Now, when you look over at that person and I just said they walk with God, what do you hear me saying? What, what do you look at that person and assume? Because I said they, they walk with God. Well, you probably assume they go to church, right? Well, they go to, they go to church and they obviously they believe in Jesus and they they probably say the Lord's Prayer and they, they probably believe that Jesus is the Son of God and they probably don't cuss a lot and they probably do a lot of good works. Yeah, those kinds of things are what we're going to assume about somebody that walks with God. But I guess here's what I'm wondering today. Is that it? Does walking with God mean I, I believe some Christian things and I do some Christian things? Is that Is that what walking with God is? Well, we get a chance today, I think, to see something quite a bit more profound through a character of the Bible that's not well known. As a matter of fact, his claim to fame is that he is in Bible trivia games. That's about the only time his name comes up. He's not a well-known character of the Bible, but he does have something very unique and special uh, about him that we'll see in just a moment. But you know, I think it's kind of good news that he's not a, a Bible hero because that says to you and to me, hey, I don't have to be a Bible hero to have a great and a profound walk with God. Let's see what this is about. Genesis chapter 5, I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says this, This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female. He blessed them and called them human. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him, in his very image. He named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh was 90 years old, he became the father of Kenan. After the birth of Kenan, Enosh lived another 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. Y'all are getting the point? As a matter of fact, it's kind of hot and humid. Let's just cut to the chase. Verses 12 through 20 are going to be the same thing. Uh, Different names, different ages, but they lived and they died. So let's jump down and pick up at verse 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, just a kid, 
When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in, wait a minute, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, again, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day he disappeared because God took him. What makes Enoch unique in the Bible is he did not die. He got a straight ticket to heaven. There's one other character in the Bible for whom that's true. His name also starts with E, and that is Elijah. Enoch and Elijah, the only two people that never tasted death. Okay, verse 1 through 11. We, it seems like Moses kind of sets up a monotony here. God sets up a monotony. They live, they die. They live, they die. Hey, maybe, maybe they lived big, maybe they lived small. Maybe they lived poor, maybe they lived rich. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can describe the living. The bottom line is they're living and then they die. And man, you read 20 verses of that. I mean, let's be honest. We don't read all 20 verses. We get to about verse 8 and say, hey, I see where this is going. I'm checking out. But I think God sets up that monotony there in chapter 5 so that it stands out as a contrast when all of a sudden in verse 21 we read that somebody lived and they didn't die. They, They went straight to heaven. Do you know that opportunity is afforded to you and I? You say, well, wait a minute, we're going to die one day, right? Uh, Yeah, but you don't lose consciousness, not even for a second. One day you just, like Enoch, you just... Step right into God's house. Man, I want to know more about that kind of walk with God. That that kind of walk that breaks the rut of just living and dying. That kind of walk that, that breaks the monotony of just doing the next thing. But I look down here at verse 21 and guess what? There's not a whole lot said here about Enoch, is there? I mean, there's no, hey, here's what it means to walk with God, one, two, three, four. Hey, here's what Enoch did, one, two, three, four. No, it just says he lived in close fellowship. So how do I get that? How do I learn what he's doing here? So we're going to use a little bit of biblical imagination. We're going to draw from Scripture and try to imagine, try to understand what's being described here, what's, what's being said here. So the first thing. The first thing I think we see with Enoch is a close walk with God entails your feet, right? That's where you say yes. Yeah, you walking, you're, you're moving, you're, you're going somewhere with somebody. You, you know, hey, if I'm going to walk with somebody, we got, hey, where are we going? Wh- whose path are we taking? You know, do I go over to God's path or does he come over to my path and God join me and where I'm going. Now, you know what? A lot of us know the answer to that question, right? We know. No, I think I'm, I think I'm supposed to go over and join God on his path. Yeah, we know that's the right answer, especially when we're sitting at church, right? But the reality is, it's not how we live. No, I, I trust my path. I like, I like my path. And so I've got a, a path, big picture. I got, I got a path on life. Or maybe it's a small picture. You know, I got a path for what I want to do today, how I want to live this week. Man, I, I got a path through this difficult relationship. I've got a path through, through uh, my job. I've got a path with my money. Now, we're Christians, right? So while I'm doing all this, marking out my path, I am at some point going to say, Hey, God, you want to come over here and bless this? 
Don't you want God to bless your path? Don't you want God to bless what you're doing? But see, the only problem with setting up the path that way is Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seems right to you. That way ends in death. Genesis chapter 5. They live, they died. They live, they died. Maybe the living was kind of good. Maybe it wasn't. They still died. Every path we take moves toward death. That's not the path that God wants for you and me. Man, man, he wants us to live. He wants us to live life. No fear, no worry, no concern of death. No monotony of just doing the next thing. We need to go over and join God's path. What does that mean to join God on his path? It means I get down on my knees in prayer and I pick up God's word and I say, Hey, God, what's your path for my life? Isn't that Psalm 119 that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my a line unto my path. Hey, God, what's your path for my life? What's your path for my single adulthood? What's your path for my married life? What's your path for parenting? Hey, God, what's your path for my money? Is that a place we think of, hey, what's God's path? No, I've, I've got a path for my money. God, I need you to come over and bless it. I need you to come over and bless and help my money. But I don't go over to God's path. Hey, God, what's your path with this difficult person? What's your, what's your path with this problem I have with them? And, and I'm going to God and I'm looking to get on His path. Now, the challenge with this is it takes a little bit of humility, right? Because I, I like my path. I trust my path. I'm not saying I have a good batting record on my path. It's just I tend to love my own voice. There's no voice you trust more than the one you hear between your ears. You trust yourself. You like the path you mark. It takes humility, but isn't that kind of the goal for us? Every now and then, do we need to kind of put that out there? Hey, the goal of my life is to be humble. And what I mean by humble, we sang about it last week. Remember that song, More of You, Less of Me? Quoting the the words of John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. That's, That's what we're praying here. God, this path has to be less and less me, more and more you. And why wouldn't we want that? Man, I, 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 like I said, my batting record's not always great. Even, even if I get it right every now and then, I'm still working with so little information. God's working with all the information. I know nothing about where this path can end up in my life and the people around me's lives that I, I love and care about. But God knows where every single path goes to, where every single path ends. It seems like it would make good sense to say, hey, you know what? I need to humble myself, go over and be a part of God's path. Amen. You know what? Paul says something very similar to John the Baptist, Galatians 2.20. He said it this way. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. You know, what an opportunity. Think about that, folks. My, my spouse, my kids, grandkids, my co-workers, my classmates, people on my team, when they watch me with money, with kids, with the team, with a job, with a difficult person, when they watch me, they shouldn't be seeing me. They should be seeing who? Christ. I died. I don't live here anymore. This isn't my life, my body. This isn't my path. It's Christ living in me. Man, what an opportunity that our daily living gives witness to the goodness of God's path. So we've got feet. Man, we need to move. 
Walking with God is movement. It's not just something that goes on in my mind. It's not just something where nothing changes. No, we're moving with God. Second thing, my mind. My mind. I'm not just saying you've got to have a brain to walk with God. I think it is very helpful. Amen. But you've got to have a mind. What do I mean by mind? Maybe another word, like-minded. Right? We've got to be like-minded. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, Can two walk together? I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? Walking with God. Can two walk together unless they're in agreement? I stopped and thought about it for a second. You know what? You can walk with somebody without being in total agreement. You know, we, we could say, hey, you know what? It's getting hot and sunny. We need, we need some waters. Hey, 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 Dale, hop in the truck with me. Let's go get some waters. Now, Dale and I may or may not agree on some things. We may not want to necessarily be like each other, but we agree we need water. We agree we're going to the store to get it, and we agree we're coming back. That's just a little bit we have to agree on. But now, if we're going to walk together for life, well, we've got to agree about a whole bunch more, don't we? See, we're not talking about walking with God just to a, an event, walking with God just to a particular place, and then we stop. No, we're talking about a whole life. And that's where Amos says, hey, you can't do that unless you're like-minded. You, ha- you have the, the same values. You know, I, I think we see a passion in Enoch's life where he really wanted to be like God. And it burdened him that other people who said they believed in God didn't necessarily want to be like God. Now you say, where are you getting all that information? So kind of interesting, Enoch opens the Bible. The first few pages of the Bible, we meet Enoch. We also find him in the last few pages of the Bible. Not Revelation, but the book right before it, Jude quotes Enoch. Listen to this, verse 14, Jude 14. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, okay, that's the same Enoch we've just been looking at, prophesied about these people and he said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You know what ungodly means? Not like-minded. Not, not like God. Now, I'd like to think when, boy, when he's talking about the ungodly there, that's, you know, murderers, rapists, terrorists, not me, right? But if I understand Jude and who he's speaking to and how he's using Enoch's quote, Jude is speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers, now, now, why would believers be called ungodly? Oh, man, folks, you know, if we're not careful, that's exactly what religion makes, ungodly people. You say, what? See, religion gets us focused on keeping rules. You know, I'm, 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 I'm going to obey the rules. But walking with God is not just about obeying rules. You can, you can obey rules and not at all be like Him. Be like God. Remember, every rule, every command, every law, every principle, they're all extensions of God's character. He says, don't lie because he's truth. He says, don't murder because he's life. You can do that with every command of the Bible. It's an expression of who he is. So the goal in obedience is not, you know, God made up a bunch of rules because that's what gods do, right? And if I'm going to get into heaven, if I'm going to make them happy, if I'm going to get any answers to prayers, I've I got I to get over here and obey these rules. And boy, we totally miss 
their relationship in that. And I know, boy, that becomes a cliche. Christianity is not about rules or religion. It's about a relationship. That may be a cliche, but it is the truth. Walking with God isn't, hey, I get to walk next to God because I, I obey all the rules. No, I, I, I walk with God and as I'm working through it, hey, say, God, I don't want to just tell the truth here. I want to be truthful in character like you. I don't want to just make the right decision here. I want to be pure. I want to be humble. I want to be like you, God. So there's a, a mind to be like God on this walk. So we've got feet uh, that are moving. We've got a mind that says, hey, I'm not just going somewhere with God. I want to become more and more like him on the way. And third and last, we've got a heart. Man, we've got a heart that beats for God. It's about building and growing in a love relationship. So again, thinking about the very few things we do see here about Lamech or about uh, Enoch, uh, in Jude, it just said that Enoch was the seventh in line from Adam. Now, there's two lines that come out of Adam. Actually, it started with three, uh, but one brother killed the other brother. Do you all remember that? That's good because we talked about it last week. Cain killed Abel, so there's no line coming out of Abel, all right? And we know that it said that he had a lot of other sons and daughters. But what the Bible writes out for us is a line coming out of Seth and a line coming out of Cain. So Enoch is seventh in line from Adam in the line of Cain. There's also a seventh in line out of Seth, there's a seventh in line from Cain, and that is Lamech. And here's what's interesting. Part of Genesis 4 is just like Genesis 5. It's just listing the names and how they came out. But when you get to the seventh one in both places, the seventh in the line of Cain and the seventh in the line of Seth, you, you stop the monotony and you get this little bit of extra information. We got a little extra information about Enoch. He walked with God. Let's see what the extra information about Lamech is. Now, Lamech and Enoch would be cousins. I think Lamech would be a good bit older. So I'm not sure they're contemporaries, but they are both seventh in line. So look what it says there in chapter 4. We're going back to last week's chapter, verse 23. One day Lamech said to his wives, notice plural, wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. So what do we learn about Lamech? Well, we learn that he was the first polygamist, the first one to have multiple wives. Now, when I say first one, actually, I don't know that for sure. There could have been some others, but the first one recorded in Scripture to, to have multiple wives. We also know he's a murderer. He killed somebody. He got revenge. And, and we also know that he's aware that his great, 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 whatever seven times granddaddy is, uh, Cain, he knows he murdered somebody. And he got protection from God. And he says, I want that protection. But do you know when you're talking about Lamech, not a word about God. Not, not a single word ab about God. No relationship with God. N nothing described by He just wants what God is handing out. He just wants what God has to offer. He wants that protection. Now, is there anything wrong with wanting what God has to offer? Oh, absolutely not. 
Hey, listen, we all come to God for what he gives us. As a matter of fact, our first movement to God usually is not just about who he is. It's about what he gets. I mean, Jesus said, hey, all you who are weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. Do you hear the invitation? Hey, if you've got this challenge, this issue, come to me. I can take care of it. I can give you rest. I can give you forgiveness. I can give you adoption as a child of God. I I can give you heaven. I can give you eternal life. Come to me. We're going to go to God for what he can give us. When we get to Genesis 12, we're going to see God go to Abraham and say, Hey, come walk with me. And I'm going to give, 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 give. List of things he's going to give Abraham. Abraham says, Yeah, I'm good for that. I, I, I can go that. But we're going to get to Genesis 22. And I don't know what the right phrase is. Maybe we're going to see God turn the tables a little bit. And he calls on Abraham to give something precious. You see, ultimately, folks, God wants to grow all of us with as much as he wants to give throughout the entirety of our life and life eternal. He does want to show us that the giver is better than the gift. There's so much more in the giver than just the gift. And so God wants to grow us in that way. See, Lamech, not so interested in the giver, I just want the gift. I just want what I get out of this. But God wants to grow us to a place where we realize it's the giver. My heart beats not for what I can get from God, but for for God himself. So when you look at a, a heart, a mind, you look at feet, you know what I see? It's always going somewhere. It's always getting deeper. It's always getting better. You know, folks, we have ups and downs in our walk with Christ, don't we? We have good seasons. We have, we have not so good seasons. But I think that we're supposed to be able to look back to last year, five years, ten years ago, and say, hey, I've moved somewhere. I mean, a walk is going somewhere. Being like-minded grows and develops. Having a heart becomes stronger and stronger. Are you greater in your walk with Christ today than you were five years ago? Greater than ten years ago? If, if not, why not? You know, a, a message like this can almost sound like, hey, you know what you need to do? Come on now, go home and try harder. Oh, gosh, that was loud. <laughs> Go home and work better, try harder, walk closer. Oh, aren't, folks, this is where we fall on our knees and we say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not depending on how hard or how close or how fast or how knowledgeable I am in keeping up with walking with God. I'm clinging to Christ. I'm clinging to Christ to be my motivation, to be my help, to be my knowledge to walk as closely as I can with God. It's a gift. It's a gift. This is what God is developing. I have to know what God is doing. I have to know where God is going to be able to join Him, right? Even if I'm trusting wholly on Christ, I've, I've got to know where this walk is going. Do you know you're going to deal with a hundred things this week, even with vacation? And every single one of those things is a place to walk with God to. To grow more like him in the journey. To have a heart that beats for him in every good thing, bad thing, ugly thing. And just to be going where he's going. Enoch walked with God. One day they were out on that walk. They're talking and sharing and 
in my mind, I just kind of imagine God looking up and saying, Hey, Enoch, look. We're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come home with me tonight? Same exact thing happens for you and me. You and I will walk with Christ today. We'll walk through them, that difficult decision, that difficult person. We'll walk with them through the vacation. We'll walk with them through the victory. We'll walk, we'll talk, we'll develop a heartbeat for Him. And one day, it tends a lot to go with age, but not necessarily. One day, Jesus will look up and say, hey, you know what? We're closer to my house than yours. Remember what He's promised us. My father's house is huge. And it's not just a house that can handle people. Uh, I'm, I'm going to prepare a room just for you. A spot, a place in my father's house just for you. And I'm going to come back and get you. As you walk with me, as you journey with me, one day it's, hey, let's just go to my house. You and I get that opportunity not because of how well, how close we walk with God. We get that opportunity because Jesus came and walked with us. Remember what I said at the beginning? We, we need to get on God's path, not ask God to come over to our path. We need to be humble. And yet there's Jesus coming to your path. Boy, he's so worthy, isn't he, of us thinking about not only what does it mean to walk with him, but am I actually getting anywhere? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, this time to worship you, to love you. Oh God, I pray our gathering today not only has pleased you and exalted Jesus, but I pray our gathering today would help each and every one of us actually go somewhere with you this week. With each step, become more like you, value what you value, want what you want. I thank you that Jesus didn't come just to make me a good person or a rule obeyer. He came to make me more like you, the very one in whose image I'm created. Father, I pray our time here today has developed even a little more a heartbeat for you. What an opportunity in this week ahead. With every person, every conversation, every decision, every nap, every relaxation, every joy, every pain, and everything I do to walk with you through it, Jesus. May we do just that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, listen, if you want to know a little bit more about Jesus coming over to you, Jesus wanting to walk with you, Jesus coming into your life as we start to make our way back to the cars here in a little bit. The, it, it looks like the last red tent over there by the soccer goal. That last red tent, there's some folks there more than ready to have a conversation with you about how you can begin a walk with God right here, right now, today. How you can receive 
Jesus' love and forgiveness for your life. You just go by there and say, I'd like to know more about, about a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have questions about joining our church or coming, following the Lord in believers' baptism, that, that same tent over there. And uh, if you're wondering where you can give your offering, yes, people said, hey, where do we give our offering today? Now, I know somebody's out there thinking, yeah, Pastor, I bet they're really just mowing you down with that question. No, honestly, I'm not kidding. We've been asked, where do we give our offering today? That last tent on the way out, if you have brought an offering with you, you can take it to them and they will uh, get that where it needs to be. Again, folks, thank you so much for being here and worshiping today and doing that as the body of Christ. We'll be back indoors next week and taking on a flood. God bless. Y'all have a great week. Happy July 4th.